this is Norman Rose welcoming you to the Rumble in the Garden podcast. This is Norman Rose welcoming you to the Rumble in the Garden podcast. It's February 8th and St. John's has just defeated Villanova and defeated Duke. Yes, that happened. St. John's is kind of on a roll, I guess, if you can call two games a roll. But they're also coming off of losing 11 straight. So we're going to talk with Andy from Anonymous Eagle, get a sense of the matchup facing St. John's in uh, on Saturday at Karnaseka Arena against Marquette. And we're going to take one listener question, because that's what we have, and we'll discuss a few other topics with Andy. I think we'll probably, you know, jump around a bit. So, please enjoy. Good morning, afternoon, or evening, whenever you're listening to this. This is the Rumble in the Garden podcast. And for once, I'm not going to do this fast. I'm going to speak slowly enunciate my words so you understand because St. John's has beaten Duke and Villanova and I don't know about you but I'm feeling good we have Andy from Anonymous Eagle covering Marquette on with the podcast with us say hi Andy how's it going everybody it's Thursday February 8th and we're going to talk a little bit about Big East basketball with a guy who is very in touch with most of Big East basketball except for St. John's. How do you feel about that? That seems pretty accurate. It is kind of accurate, yeah. Uh, can you tell the people where they can find your work? Sure thing. Um, I'm the site manager for the sister site to uh, Rumble in the Garden, Anonymous Eagle. So anonymouseagle.com for all things Marquette. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter, Anonymous Eagle, uh, Facebook.com slash Anonymous Eagle, and our relatively new-ish Instagram account, uh, Anonymous Eagle SBN. Nice. You're getting, getting on the Instagram deal. Yeah. I'm still trying to figure it out. Like, I have no idea what I'm doing. Like, I'm not even pretending to try with, like, stories or filters or <laughs> anything like that. I'm like, yep, this is a picture of a game I am currently attending. Fun. Yeah, I mean, um, I'm I'm trying to work in some Instagram work as well. Rumble SBN on Instagram, if anybody wants to follow. Um, I feel like we'll probably be better in the off season. I think we're gonna try and get some people out to some of the AAU stuff if we can. Uh, just see what we can what we can do to uh, pass the off season time with pictures. Um, but otherwise, for those who don't know, you can find us on Twitter, Rumble SBN, and you can find the main site at Rumble in the Garden. We're also on Facebook, Rumble in the Garden on Facebook. Um, you know, one thing I like about the Big East, at least in the blog communities, generally everybody is uh, pretty friendly and gets along. Um, yep. You know, I, I feel like I should talk trash about somebody, but nah, I'm, I'm feeling too, a little too up. Because watching St. John's weirdly put it together and knock off Villanova on the road in Philly was pretty awesome. And watching them defeat Duke at home in Madison Square Garden was... What? (laughs) I mean, I feel like this podcast should be peppered with air horns, you know, and I I don't know, maybe I have an air horn somewhere. 
you know, just like to give it that real like gully gutter Brooklyn feel, you know, that like that like things are popping off feel. But maybe not right now, maybe in a little bit. So that was, you know, it, it's pretty impressive that St. John's has, you know, managed to lose 11 straight games and then knock off the number four and the number one team in the country. But that still leaves St. John's at 12 and 13, <clears throat> heading into a weekend contest at Marquette. And I think about six more games before the Big East tournament. St. John's has Marquette twice by a weird score quirk of scheduling. The Johnnies have not seen Marquette yet, and it's already, you know, around the middle of February. Um, but St. John's has another shot at Butler, another shot at George, no, another shot at, um, um, oh my God, what do you call him? Another shot at Butler, another shot at Seton Hall, and another shot at DePaul, and another shot at Providence, along with their uh, two games against Marquette. Um, it's an interesting road, and all roads are tough when you've lost, you know, 11 games in conference play. But Marquette is a weird and kind of quirky team. What can you tell us uh, about Marquette overall? Well, uh, if you remember last year's team, this team isn't too terribly different uh, from that one. It's an explosive offense, although uh, last year's team was more of a Lord knows who is going to go off kind of offense. Uh this time it's this year around it's uh focused mostly with Marcus Howard, Andrew Rousey, and Sam Hauser. It's usually just one of the three. Uh and as was the case last year, the defense is generally speaking a question mark where we kind of just end up praying that they make enough stops where the three pointers fall enough and it's okay, cool, we won, yay. So what's the problem on defense? What is the, the big issue? Is it a lack of ball pressure? Is it a lack of shot blockers? Is it just general defensive indifference? I think it's a couple of things. Um, I'm going to say something in a second that's going to cause the torches and pitchforks to come out for me. But Andy, let me, uh, let me pause for a second and just say that this is the, as uh, some would like to say, a safe space. <laughs> you know. But in truth, this is kind of a safe space. I honestly say some things here that I never write. I say things that I probably just normally would never say. I just let these things fly. This is the let it fly zone. And I don't mean, you know, the Creighton Blue Jays home arena, but it's still the <laughs> let it fly zone. So, oh, Andy, I, I, what do you have I've to say? I've got no problem saying it. It's just that people are going to get mad when I repeat something that Wojo said is not supposed to be an excuse or Wojo said is an excuse or whatever it was supposed to be. Uh, Marquette's depending on freshmen for defense, period, full stop. <laughs> so the fact of the matter is, is that, you know, yeah, it's game where Saturday is going to be game 25 of the year. When you're depending on uh, three freshmen to provide you real minutes against real veteran teams and most importantly, provide defensive minutes, it's a problem. Like, they're going to screw up still, even in game 25. It's going to happen. It just – it is. Who are the freshmen? It. Yeah, it's, they're, they're going to make freshman mistakes. It's Al McGuire. This is his, one of his most famous sayings, you know, top 15. <laughs> uh, the best thing about freshmen is they become sophomores. So who are the freshmen who are going to be playing on Saturday against St. John's? 
you're going to see heavy doses of Greg Elliott and Jamal Cain for sure. Uh, the big question mark right now is whether or not Theo John's going to be back in the lineup. He had to miss last night against Seton Hall because there apparently is a flu bug running through the team. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, no, I feel, I feel terrible. It's, it's so horrible. I feel terrible. Uh, oh. They, uh, the, apparently, uh, everybody kind of had something. There's a post game video popping up where Wojo comes into the locker room. He's talking to the team and like the, everybody on the team takes turns coughing. <laughs> uh, but at the start of the game, it was like a uh, flu bugs going around, but everybody's going to try to play. And then like 10 minutes into the game, uh, it was uh, Theo John is sick and will not play tonight. That's tough. Yeah, it's, well, it was especially tough because he had maybe his – well, not maybe. Shoot, it was his best game. No, and I just pulled it up to make sure I got the stats right. He was declared the MVP of the game in the loss, home loss to Providence. Theo John went for 14 points and six rebounds and five blocks. He was a monster against the Friars. And he had to sit last night out against Delgado and – the giants that Seton Hall has running around out there, but luckily they pulled it out. All right. So, you know, speaking of the freshman thing, I will openly admit that St. John's win over Villanova could not have happened without the injury to Phil Booth and the injury to Eric Bashal. Pascal? I actually never know, know how to pronounce his name. I think it actually is Pascal. I think it might be Pascal. Um, sorry, I've got a little sniffle here, too. Um, you know, without playing, uh, um, you know, Cosby Roundtree and uh, Colin Gillespie, those guys made a couple of little mistakes, just a little mistakes, and yep. they showed. And I think that was a little margin that St. John's needed to play against a team that they've actually competed against pretty well over the last two years. Um, and... It's amazing how just the being a freshman thing, a lot of freshman kids just don't know. They're just, I don't know, they're just not necessarily as quick thinking-wise as, you know, a player who's been there for a while. You know, yeah, watching it, Duke. It's, a, it's an issue, especially on the offense. Like, they, it, that, that's one of those things where, like, they're like, oh, yeah, no, I get how to dunk. That's cool. But when you got to teach them your scheme – and get them to the point where they're instinctively doing what they're supposed to, as, as where opposed they're communicating, to going, oh, where okay, the ball goes over to... there, and now I do this. Okay, now it's there, and I do that. It takes a it takes a while for them to get it every single time. And the fact of the matter is, is that when you have to have freshmen playing defense, it's not going to go super great every single time. I mean, there's certainly teams who who where their you know sophomores, juniors, and seniors also aren't good at defense. You know, that has to be said, but. You know, it is a thing that you, you shouldn't be expecting the highest level defensive performance from your freshman, even if you're a great defensive coach. It's just not going to happen. Yeah. Um, the I think good about... news is, is that Marquette's freshmen are uh, what I refer to as the condors. It's just limbs everywhere, <laughs> which is great because that balances out Marquette's other major problem on defense. And that's if they play two five eleven guards for like twenty five minutes a game together. And that's and, uh, how do they do? They get abused on uh, on defense. Uh, I don't think that they're necessarily getting abused, uh, Howard and Rousey. Uh, I think it's it's just a 
the fact of the matter is, is that basically every single guard they play against, for the most part, is going to have an inch, a two, three, four inches on them. And they're just, at some point, just that, the, that extra arms length, that the extra leg length, guys could just get past them. It's not that it's like a physicality thing. It's just literally their ability to move faster than them because of the size. And I mean, also shoot over them. I think that that's a, that's a thing that, 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 that people forget that that is a thing. You know, I was, uh, during the Duke game, Shamori Pons took a shot that over Trayvon Duvall. And, you know, I think there was a little bit of freshman defending in there, but I think along with, uh, Pons making, you know, a pretty incredible shot. I think there was also a little bit of the fact that Duval is like, what, 6'2 or whatever. You know, he's not that tall. If you have a 6'5 guy on that, you know, that guy really, really interrupts the sight line. And that's, you know, that that's a thing. So, I mean, I don't know. I mean, do you, do you feel like opposing guards do get to have pretty spectacular performances against Howard and Rousey? Uh, I, I don't really think so. Um, I've never... I've never really felt that like it's like a significant problem. I just it's just that the like or maybe it's a, a thing where I just kind of excuse it in my head, where I'm like, well, yeah, they're going to get beat a lot, and they're not like great steals guys or anything. If I remember correctly, they don't seem like you know they're there, but they're not you know particularly yeah, deft perfectly defenders. Perfectly competent, but not you know breaking the walls down either. But they do get it back on the other end. Can you tell us a little bit about how they get their scoring? Uh, well, uh, like going back to what I was saying, if you remember last year's Marquette team, uh, uh, people, St. John's fans will be happy to hear that Marcus Howard has, let's see here, I'm trying to do math in my head quick. He's lost 27 points on his uh, three-point shooting. He's only, only, Knocking down thirty eight percent of his threes last for this year. He's terrible. Way down to fifty five. That fifty five was amazing. Wojo had the best quote about that coming into the season, which was, uh, "You'd think that he can't keep that up, but he did keep it up for all of last year. So maybe." <laughs> Is there anything that opponents are doing differently to defend him? Uh, I think it's more just making him work for it. Uh, a lot more. Uh, the other thing is that he's also shooting. He also has a much bigger green light. Uh, last year, a lot of it was they had uh, Kate and Reinhardt and Juwan Johnson out there shooting as well. So they, they could spread the shots around more. Uh, Marquette just doesn't really have the other reliable shooters this year, which is why, let me see here, Howard's already taken 60 more threes than he did all of last season. 6-0. Wow. So he's trying to shoot more. So that's maybe resulting in not the super best looks that he was getting last year, which is part of the reason why he's human <laughs> as opposed he's to the down fireball. down to 38%. Oh, no. Yeah, right. Exactly. He's, he's only in the top 500, not the top 10. So do he, does he get to the rim as well? That has been the major difference in his offensive game. Uh, he has developed uh, a super floater. Uh, it's he's getting. He, it's a lot of times you see guys they'll just get into like the middle of the lane and pop that floater. Uh, Howard has shown an ability to just get it from 
any angle, uh, whatever, coming down the baseline, uh, going in the lane and then curling around and going baseline, or just at like a 45-degree angle to the rim. If he can get a drive towards the rim, he'll be able to get that floater off and just drop it into the net. And that's made it think. I think that's made a huge difference in his overall offensive game. He's shooting 56% on the season inside yep. the arc. It's pretty yep. good. Yeah, well, you saw a lot last year. He would get to the rim, and it would be a horror show, basically, because he's 5'11". Uh, but now that he's got that floater, people don't really know what he's going to do once he starts driving. Is he going to shoot the floater? Is he going to try to get all the way to the rack? What's he going to do? Uh, so that's resulted in a lot better looks, both because he's getting the floater to drop, but then once he does actually go all the way to the rim, he has more space. So tell us also about Andrew Rousey and also The Thing. Oh, yes, The Thing. Uh, we, we noticed it became a thing last season where Rousey has potentially, I mean, I'm not studying it, but he plays potentially the best pump fake in the country. Uh, and so we noticed that he tended to pump fake guys into the air and then just, well, I'm shooting that old... I, I faked you into the air, and now I'm jumping into you with my shot, and oh, they have called a foul on you now thing. Uh, so since he did it a lot last year, we actually started. I was calling it the I was calling it the Rousey move last year. Uh, one of the other uh, fan twitters decided to launch full fledged into calling it the thing, and so now it's officially the thing. Uh, we are up to, and this is not a joke. Andrew Rousey has pump faked. 21 opponents into the air for three foul for three foul shots this season. Nicely done, Rousey. It's it's he had three against the Villanova um, a week and a, what a Sunday that two week week ago Sunday whatever it was the Villanova game at uh, at the Bradley Center in Milwaukee. He had three in the game, and it was just bananas. Like I cannot imagine what Jay Wright was saying to the bench. It's 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 a lethal pump fake because his shooting motion is really quick. So, and he has the ability to get so deep into his motion with the fake that it's coming out of his hands like a split second after he gets it there. But he also has the ability to pull it back down right away. So amazing! Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. No, I I think I get that. Yeah, so he 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 can cut his pump fit, he can cut his shot motion off at like the 80 85% mark so to speak and that's why people buy it because he gets so deep into the shot that people think oh this is going up and all of a sudden they're in the air and he's like hey, I still got the ball. I suppose there's a question of why are they running into him anyway, you know, but uh, that's you know, the thing. He's I, not I mean, exactly the most like shy three-point shooter in the universe uh if you watch him enough like he he's fine shooting it from like 26 feet yeah he's um yeah he's got that shamari pons confidence that d'angelo harrison confidence you know mm-hmm. um it, it you know it's um in the saint john's 11 game losing streak uh and this this comes around to rousey to just hear me out i was thinking a lot about how um, just a, a lot of the things that they didn't execute well at the end of the games. And one of them was just not closing out well on outside shooters. Because it's a you know running problem that St. John's has. The way they play defense allows for three-point shooting gaps. 
And in the scrambles, they're just not coming up short enough. And they would bump a shooter or they would overrun a shooter or they would bump a shooter just a little. And that shooter would, you know, scramble forward a little bit and get a shot off or get a, a, a layup. And it struck me that, man, college players are kind of bad at <laughs> running at another player and not, you know, hitting them. And I feel like that's something that I don't see much in the pros. In the pros, like, you know, either, you know, you get there or you don't, and you know that you got there or you didn't, you know? Do you know what I mean? Sure. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, I think that's, I think, okay, so you know the, the, the long-time stupid complaint about how, quote, the NBA doesn't play defense? Yeah. Right. Okay, I think that I've identified why people think that. So, and I think it kind of comes back to like it, a good example to explain it is the possession arrow. Okay. So, like, there's no possession arrow in the NBA, right? If you tie somebody up, it's an actual jump ball. So, like, if you get a Marcus Howard type, if if uh, he sees an opportunity to tie up, say for example, Tariq Owens, he's not going to do it in the NBA because, because it doesn't make sense. He's giving up a foot. So, yeah. what's the point of having a jump ball that you're going to lose? So you don't see that kind of stuff happen in the NBA. So it's kind of like, like you were saying, you know, so you do, it's, you kind of know whether or not you're going to get there to even try to contest the shot. So guys will just like make like they'll, you know, drop that last foot real heavy on them. Just like try to make a noise to try to distract them kind of thing. But they won't really run at guys. Yeah. So I mean, everything that, in the NBA happens so quickly that. You know, you're either there or you're not, you know? It's... Yeah, so so it, it, I don't think it's – so I think, like, some of the, the NBA doesn't play defense thing comes from guys are making the conscious decision of, well, I'm not going to get there, and there's another 40 minutes left in this game. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm just going to, like, turn around and make sure you don't get the rebound. And so it ends up, quote, looking like it's not defense, but it's just guys going, yeah, he got that shot off. What and, am also, I gonna do? and also, you know, even – in uh, you know, one thing that that you'll see from St. John's is that a lot of their good defense is just denial. It's not, oh, I'm in your face because you know if you're set and you're shooting and you're tall enough, and the other guy isn't tall enough, there's a solid chance you'll make the shot if you're skilled, and maybe you won't. Whatever, but you know, it's not like you're gonna be blocking threes. Yeah. By the way, um, you're going to see a block three on Saturday. I'm promising that. <laughs> oh, I, I one hundred. There was oh, who was it against? Uh, that we Marcus Howard had the most like hilariously blocked three in recorded history. Oh, might have been the Villanova game in Milwaukee. It might have been Spellman who got it. Like it was so badly blocked that like when he ended his dribble to pull up, I was like, no, don't shoot that. Spellman's going to get you. <laughs> and he did. <laughs> it wasn't like muffed in his face block, was it? It was worse because, like, I saw Spell like, it was like Spellman realized he was going to shoot it. I think it was Spellman, but that's not the point. I, he was like, realized he was going to shoot it, and so he had to take, like, three steps towards him to get there. And it was like, oh, but he can close that distance? And then he did? And he blocked it like, like, like Bill Russell somewhere was had just like suddenly smiled because he blocked it like thirty feet down the court towards Villanova's basket. 
and it turned into a dunk. <laughs> like I, that's part of that. Was okay, like, that's, that's an excellent shot thing. block. That's why it was like the worst, stupidest block shot ever. I was like, oh my god, that went worse than I thought it would. Well, I, I don't know that you're going to see that, but I'm telling you that either Tariq Owens or uh, Bashir Ahmed will block a three-pointer. I mean, I'm, I'm just, I just have a feeling. Uh, it's it's based on the fact that Marquette basically needs to shoot 33s to win. <laughs> I'm pretty comfortable saying that one just that's going to accidentally happen. Yeah, it's going to be a tough cover for St. John's. You know, it's the the way they run and scramble. You know, if Marquette runs them around the court and uh, you know the Marquette uses their depth a little bit, I think that it can be a real challenge for the Johnnies who are going right now about six deep, including uh, Brian Trimble off the bench. So. Yeah. <sighs> Yeah, I saw that in the uh, in your uh, "What Has Changed for St. John's" piece from uh, a little earlier today. Uh, I, that made me go, "Oh, well, that's an interesting note." And then I remembered that like Villanova came in on that Villanova game at the Bradley Center. Villanova came in with like six and a half players who were useful to them. Yeah, <laughs> and it didn't really matter. I'm like, oh, okay. I mean, it's a... pro- wasn't so much that like you know Villanova's Villanova, so you know they still have an advantage with all their dudes. But uh, Marquette also threw their depth advantage in the trash immediately. They had two guys with fouls. There were two guys with two fouls, like by the four minute, or like the eight minute mark of the first half. I was like, "Would you? Would you stop? <laughs> like, you can run them off the floor if you just stop that." Oh, it must be nice to have depth. Must be nice. Well, you know, we're trying. I, I, I was. Uh, I was updating the uh, our scholarship chart um, because I realized I hadn't made an adjustment to mark that Joey Hauser is on the team now. He joined the team at the semester. Mm-hmm. Um, and I realized that uh, Marquette's currently using three scholarships on guys who are ineligible to play right now. Yeah, so, St. John's. so I was like, oh, yeah, okay, that's part of our that's part of it seems like we have a short bench sometimes, and that's the reason why, because we've got three guys who aren't allowed to play. Well, tell us about the rest of the team. So we've talked about Howard and Rousey, uh, but you know we haven't talked about Sam Hauser, we haven't talked about the bench, we haven't talked about Harry Froling. Tell us a little bit about each. Okay, well, we'll start with Hauser, who... Uh, it, I, I cannot say enough nice things about Sam Hauser. Um, the, the, the way I describe him is... Every so often, like, you notice him hitting a shot or getting a rebound or, you know, sliding into, like, help defense. And you're like, oh, well, that was a nice little play by Sam. And, like, you notice him a couple of times in the game. And you're like, oh, you know, I think Sam Hauser played really well. And then you look at the box score and he has 14 points and six rebounds and three assists. You're like, wait, what happened? (laughs) How did he have that good of a game? He didn't seem like he was doing anything. That that's Sam Hauser. <laughs> okay, so he's just sort of like that subtle, like you know, he just you know makes the simple plays. It's not spectacular, but then you realize he's not that... the most athletic guy in the world. He's never going to really wow you with anything he does, but he never does anything wrong ever. It's like, very important. He uh he oh it was uh it was either get Butler or Providence this past week. Um, Marquette was getting pressed in the backcourt and on inbounds, and Sakar Anim tossed a pass to him a little bit behind him. It bounced off of either his hand or his head because he kind of reacted like it was off his head, 
and it went out of bounds. And half jokingly, uh, I uh, it was a, it was right before halftime. So uh, one of the Marquette student media kids had said, "Hey, anybody got any halftime questions? Let me know." And he put that up on Twitter. So I'm like, so I asked him, "Was the Hauser bobble out of bounds literally the worst play of his Marquette career?" Because it, it, I think it was. Like he just doesn't screw up ever. He had a, uh, a play sometime recently, might have been the Butler game. And this is the way I explained it on Twitter. Half is a joke, but half being completely honest. He's so fundamentally sound that he deflected a pass out of bounds on defense with his back to the ball, and he never knew the pass was coming. <laughs> He's just in the right place. He just and uh, Jim McIlvain, who played center for Marquette in the '90s, and he's now the radio uh, analyst. Uh, he retweeted me with, "If you just put your hands up on defense, good things happen." Like it, it, he, Sam had no idea this pass was coming, and then he like it surprised him when it hit him in the hand. Like that, that was his reaction. It Is Sam a nice Wisconsin boy? What's that? Is Sam a nice Wisconsin boy? Is that is that what we're saying? He absolutely is. Stevens Point, Wisconsin. And he didn't go to to uh, to uh, Madison, huh? Uh, if I remember correctly, Bo Ryan did not even offer him a scholarship. Oh, Bo! He Bo. is a, Sam Hauser is a six foot. He was six six last year. He is listed as six eight now. He's six eight, like a prototypical stretch four. He plays defense. He does every single thing right. He rebounds. He shoots incredibly well. He creates mismatches. He is possibly the if it were not for his brother Joey who is on Marquette's roster now if not for Joey I think Sam Hauser is literally the perfect player for the Bo Ryan now Greg Gard offense and for whatever reason Bo Ryan had zero interest in recruiting him I maybe Sam Howard had no interest in him I so confusing so, okay, so you have Mr. Perfect, two shooters, a couple of freshmen. Tell us about Harry Froling. I continue to be impressed with Harry Froling. Um, he, let's put it this way, his weaknesses are tend to be magnified by him trying too hard. Um, he's, make sure I get it right here. Uh, let's see here. Where is it? So 6'11", 250, he's completely remade his body uh, from where he was uh, at SMU. He lost 40 pounds and then has put uh, 20 of it back on in muscle. Uh, yeah. Um, he – how did I phrase this before? Um, he's – the best word I can give, the best word I can use to describe him is adept. He has a basketball IQ that's ridiculous, and he has just enough physical gifts to make him incredibly dangerous. It's he might be the best passing big man Marquette's had as since I've been watching the team since the nineties. He just seems to know when to make the right move to either go get the ball or to pass the ball to his teammates all the time. He's really, really good. Is he to fast, though? Which, what's that? Is he fast? No. 
Okay, that's good. the problem. Good, it's good. Japan so St. John's can run him off the court. Good, got it. Yes, yes. He's not fast <laughs> running. His hands are fast. It leads to a lot of rebounds. It leads to a lot of passes. His brain is a little bit faster than his hands, which sometimes leads to passes to guys who are no longer where they were, or are they a little bit ahead of where he expects them to be. All right. So sounds like, you know, good accent, a little too fast with his hands. You know, hopefully that doesn't get him into any trouble. You know, and, uh, and and so what are we worried about? It. What is St. John's worried about against uh, Marquette? Okay. okay. Also, Sakara Nim. Tell us about him. I gave him official dude designation last night uh, against Seton Hall. He's uh, a dude. He's officially a dude. Uh he uh, he has uh, glommed on to the the concept of being a glue guy, uh, a do everything guy, a here's what this team doesn't have, so I got to do it guy. So so well, he was great last night for Marquette. He uh, ended up with uh, 15 points, two rebounds, three rebounds, three assists against Seton Hall. He was constantly leaking out in transition and getting layups. He just was all over the place. It was so great to see. This is a guy who played less than a hundred minutes as a freshman two years ago with the on the on the uh, Henry Ellenson team. He sat out all of last year because the minutes just weren't going to be there for him the way that team was the way the roster was built, uh, and has just blossomed as the season has gone on. He's he, he's just going to get in there and do stuff that Marquette needs to do, and sometimes he's going to blow up and have a game like he did last night. It was really exciting to see him do it. All right. So, with that away, what's your prediction for for the game? Um, let me. I mean, out. so I, I'll, I'll throw out there that Marquette lost four straight before knocking off Seton Hall by three. Right? Was it eighty-eight, eighty-five last night? 88-85, because there was a buzzer-beater pointless three by Seton Hall, yeah. Oh, so, close, so probably it sounds closer than it was. A but, little bit. Yeah, what happened in that game? Uh, that was one of the better games, I think, maybe in the league this year. It was a fun up-and-down, back-and-forth game all over the place. Um, the, the, the big thing is Marquette just controlled Angel Delgado more than anything else. Um, I guess he kind of technically did get free a little bit. I mean, eleven and seven is a down game for him, I guess technically. So, but I mean, it's not bad. Uh, but they they made sure they put a body on him at all times and just kind of forced him out of his comfort zone. And I guess that kind of just ended up leaking down to the rest of the team. Uh, part of it too is that for whatever reason, Steve Wojciechowski I think understands how to coach against Kevin Willard. Uh, Marquette just kind of keeps getting Seton Hall's number. Even last year, uh, yeah, I see that it's sort of like a you know every team has a has a certain kryptonite. You know, for St. Yeah. John's, I think it was actually, and I think it still might be actually Creighton. Creighton just finds the gaps, but St. John's does, and I don't think either of these teams would admit it. But I think St. John's does some things and has done some things to. Xavier and maybe Villanova. I mean, Jay Wright's talked about how like playing against St. John's has been really difficult for 
years and it's just like a weird thing even though Villanova keeps winning um Mm -hmm. and uh and with Xavier more under Mullen uh the last in in this year in particular I think St. John's outplayed them and it was just weird you know it's just like but they didn't have the shots but yeah yeah, so you know Marquette has I guess Seton Hall's number yeah and and then it's hilarious because Butler does the same thing to Marquette but Wojo is one in seven against Butler yeah. And yet somehow they uh, – and then that – but that same Marquette team somehow has taken Seton Hall's lunch twice, even though, like, Seton Hall came into the year thinking that they had, like, Final Four aspirations. It, I, well, I don't know. Uh, I don't know about that. I mean, well, Final I mean, Four I mean, of the Big East maybe, but uh, – I mean, yeah, what do we think about Seton Hall? Uh, so I did an appearance on the Real Chili podcast, uh, which is a, a Marquette podcast that's been going for the last couple of years now. Uh, I don't like Zeton Hall. I, I said it at going into um, conference play when I was on their show. This is just the same Seton Hall team that Marquette should have beaten twice last year. Um, they had a really unlucky offensive rebounding thing happen in the last 30 seconds at the Rock last season. Mm-hmm. This is the same Seton Hall team. I'm not surprised Marquette's beaten them twice this year. But it's there's just something about that team that I just do not trust. I I don't know if it's is it the lack of a point guard? I don't think it's that. Uh, I think it's this. Uh, maybe this sounds. Maybe this is mean. I don't know. Whatever. It's gonna um, be mean. Don't be mean to the kids. Well, I'm not being mean to the kids. I'm being mean to Willard. Oh, okay, go ahead. <laughs> Uh, do you notice how like Seton Hall just like keeps having this thing where at like January 15th or so, like Willard gets into a, like, like some sort of like just weird spat with either weird, the players or the players get into spats with each other or something goes weird with the team's chemistry. It just keeps happening. Unnecessary drama. Yeah. It is yeah. A kind of a weird thing, you know? And, uh, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, he's also worked with Patino, so, you know, it just makes you start thinking, what does go on over there, you know? Not yeah, in but, terms of, like, you know, weird, like, I don't know, like, sexy or money stuff or whatever. No, I'm yeah. just, just talking about how Patino always seemed to, to be, like, a guy who is, uh, you know, kind of pushing and pulling the uh, the psychological levers on his team, sure. mostly to good effect. But you can see somebody who is less practiced in the in the dark arts might uh, you know might might get his team into a weird froth, or maybe he just has kids who, you know, for one reason or another, just you know, uh, I don't know, they kind they kind of step off of the uh, the the good path or something. I don't know. You know, I, I, mean, I honestly just don't a thing know. Thing where like you know, so coaches have a guy, like they have like in their head like a prototypical guy who can succeed for them, right? So maybe just Willard just gravitates towards overly emotional players, and then that creates problems. I don't know, um, but yeah, the, I I think the Seton Hall Seton Hall is an incredibly talented team. I, I mean, I like their pieces. I just don't trust them as a whole. Like the whole thing that happened in December where. Apparently, the other three seniors had to come to Willard and beg him to let Ish Snow go back on the roster. It was weird. That he was had the weird. thing uh, a couple games after that where, was it against Marquette, actually? Where he benched Desi Rodriguez and said after the game, 
well, he just didn't look like he wanted to be out there. So I sat him down and let him think about it. And then, but like Desi jumps on Twitter and he's like, ha ha, I love my brothers. Why wouldn't I want to be out there? It's like, what is going on? That does seem like over dramatic, but you know, again, you know, I think some coaches like to exert control through these like very public, uh, you know, either public announcements or you know, any sort of public actions of, uh, of benching people. And, you know, there's a, there's a power in that. There's a power in being able to say, Hey, if you're not doing what we're saying, if you, we don't feel like you're good giving the right effort, I'm going to motivate you by benching you. And then when you come back to practice, you can give the right effort. It works for some coaches, but it sometimes just looks like grandstanding from others, you know? You know, when I'm talking about Seton Hall, I'm talking about how I think that you need different tools to manage different kinds of people, just like in the real world. You know, not that that's not the real world. You know what I mean? Um, You need different tools to motivate in different ways for different outcomes, right? And if you bring in a bunch of, you know, emotional kids who need to mature in different ways, there are different things that you do. Maybe you go and, you know, put them on blast. Maybe you try to protect them so they feel that, that, uh, you know, that, 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 uh, emotional love, you know, that, that, that feeling of being part of something, you know, and Mm -hmm. that's important for some, for some of these kids, certainly, at least that's, you know, that's what they say and that's what they seem to react to. Um, yeah, you know, you're trying to teach them something that they maybe haven't had, you know, the, the ability to have perseverance, the ability to know that, you know, their teammates have their back, that it's not just them, Uh, you know, I don't know. And maybe that's what's up with Seton Hall. But you know what? That's a class of seniors. There shouldn't be this much drama. They should just be, like, focused on the damn thing and getting at the damn thing. So let me close out then with uh, uh, Patrick Patrick Marshall's question, uh, Wild Jays, on on the Twitter. Uh, Thank you for the white and blue review, uh, kids. Uh, They're not kids. They're adults, I know. Um... Because this is the only user question we have, or listener question we have. And he asks, if St. John's wins out the rest of the regular season, and maybe a game or two in the Big East tourney, do they deserve an NCAA bid? What do you think? I saw this question pop up. I guess it was, I don't know if it was late it was in late. The, the game last night, if it was after the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I thought it was kind of bonkers. Like, at some point, like eleven straight conference losses, like has to like on some level disqualify you, sort of. Uh, but I was thinking about it. It's like who has who has two better wins than what St. John's just did. You know, I mean, I guess you know, you know, like the, the, the maybe Purdue does or Villanova, like the people who are aiming, the teams who are aiming towards one seeds right now. But uh, it's not crazy i guess there's this uh the website this website that um andre from paint touches turned me on to barttorvik.com mm-hmm. yeah t rank uh, yeah yeah t rank um and so like i went ahead and ran it when i saw uh the question come in from uh that question come in and it's actually possible at least according to like their their sim system here it's like i was shocked like if St. John's runs the table, and this is just it, it's a it's a pro, it's a projection sim, so may, you know it's just likelihoods of everybody else in the country winning or losing, and who knows what happens. But 
St. John's would be the first team out in the projection heading into the Big East tournament. If they run the table and, say, make it to the Big East semifinals before losing, they are going to be the weirdest team that the selection committee maybe has ever had to consider. Yes. I mean, I think, so what I'm thinking is that I think they need to make the finals. I think if they make the semis, there's a chance that, let's see, you know, they beat, you know, some like Marquette level team first. And then in the next round, let's say they're the seven seed. So seven, 10 meets, which gets which game gets the um... uh, seven, 10 gets the two because the eight, nine gets the one. Okay. So, because you have to think of it as the favorite win, so it would be seven and eight. So seven goes to two, and eight goes to one. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's see. Seven gets the two. The two, let's say is Xavier. So that means they beat Xavier. That's a pretty good win, if that in this case. Huh. Interesting. Interesting. Very interesting. Yeah, if you give them a. Because I got the the T-Rex site up right now. So if you were to give them, say, a win over Xavier, if I learned how to use the alphabet, if you give them an extra win over Xavier on their profile, all of a sudden St. John's turns into, okay, we'll still first team out. Uh, I mean, that's kind of what what I'm thinking, just because, like, I just feel like 11 conference losses is prohibitive and I think you have to make the final in that in that case. And I think with those wins and being in the final if the committee is actually still considering teams because you know they say that they do, but I feel like we all know that they don't. That there's some point in the middle of that week where everything's kind of locked in and nothing seems to change. And with that, this conversation has gotten a little long and I need to go to sleep. (laughs) So I am going to say we are going to sign off. Andy, do you have anything else to say to the fine people of of the Rumble in the Garden uh, podcast listeners? I'm uh, actually really looking forward to uh, handing St. John's the letdown losses of to end all letdown losses on Saturday. Yeah, I mean, I worry about it. I legitimately (laughs) worry about it. Um, This has been Norman of Rumble in the Garden. Uh, You can find me at Rumble SPN. You can find um, on Facebook, uh, Rumble in the Garden. On Instagram, Rumble SPN. Andy, tell us where you can find your stuff. Uh, AnonymousEagle.com is the website. Uh, You can find us on Facebook and Twitter. Covering Marquette. Covering Marquette. All things Marquette. Uh, first uh, women's lacrosse game of the year is tomorrow. Oh, nice. Yep. We don't have women's lacrosse. Oh, yeah, these guys also cover the non-revenue sports better than anybody else. So, you know, you should probably give them a follow just to keep track of, you know, women's hoops and lacrosse and baseball. Well, soccer. No, we don't have a baseball team, so that's the one I, I yeah, checked you out Yeah, you don't do baseball. Soccer. You guys do the, do the soccer pretty well on, on both sides. Yep. Soccer and volleyball, yep. Yeah. St. John's is, a, is good at the soccer, so, you know, we're, we're good with that. Yes, uh, I hate Belson Stadium. It gives me the ship. It just gives me hives. Yeah. I miss <laughs> Rachel Daly. Ha ha ha. Do not get me started. We'll go for another 10 minutes while I rant about 
for winning rookie of the year. So good. She was so good. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, with that, we're going to sign off. Uh, hope you guys have a good weekend. Uh, hopefully this will get out to you probably midday on Friday. And enjoy, listen, and uh, send us comments. You can email us at rumbleinthegarden at gmail.com. There's a new email coming soon. And uh, yeah, we, we're, we're happy and thankful that you listen. Spread the word. Like us on iTunes. Like us on Stitcher. Like us on Google Play. Um, shoot us some, some comments. And we appreciate you and enjoy the games. St. John's is back, baby. Yeah!
This week, we're only going to answer one listener question, and the question is from our friends at Defense. And what they're asking is, uh, with Brooks' commitment closing out the 28 class most likely, who are the top 2019 targets for SJUBB, or St. John's? Um, that is on Twitter. Now, first, let's say, you know, oh, a player leaves. I, I have a hard time imagining that the team won't look for another player who can fill in a gap, maybe a player who is a transfer. Because by that time um, in June or in May or whatever, even March, I think it's hard to get a really good quality player who doesn't have some real issues. And right now they seem to have good quality guys, good character uh, players. You know, they've signed two of their players early in the season. That's a pretty good, uh, that's a pretty good way to go because uh, you tend to get better quality players. <clears throat> so I think first, you know, yeah, they're probably going to, you know, keep an eye on the transfer market and see what happens. But second... I think that there are a number of players in the 2019 class that uh, St. John's would love to land one way or another. <clears throat> right now, um, there are three players who will be leaving after next year, Kasum Yakwe, Tariq Owens, and Marvin Clark, and that's going to be a big loss. Um, each of them has brought some serious defensive chops um, to the team. Josh Roberts might be able to take on some of Tariq Owens' role. Uh, Jerron Brooks might... B, we don't know what he is as a defender. He, he has more of a reputation as a scorer. And C.D. Keita will certainly do some of that work too. And whoever it gets to step in at the small forward, maybe they can also take on some of Marvin Clark's or Yakwe's or, or Owens's role. But there are a lot of players that St. John's is pretty excited about in the 2019 class, and they've been pursuing for a long time. Precious Achua, God gifts Achua's little brother who is... Uh, you know, looking to be a top 25 player, probably will be. <clears throat> Jalen LeCue is a four-star, five-star player on the edge of a top 25, maybe even all-American player. He's a guard, <clears throat> plays down in North Carolina, but is originally from the Bronx. Um, Achua is a small forward who has got a lot of talent and is still uh, scratching the surface of what he can do. Um and Johnny's have also been looking at point guard Jalen Gaffney, a little bit undersized, but very talented. And it's a, a player that they seem to be pretty high on um, in the, that 2019 class. Um, other than that, Aiden Iguion, uh, I can't believe I forgot him because he's like our favorite 2019 recruit. He's a big, strong, aggressive uh, forward <clears throat> who loves to dunk. And uh, plays at Lawrence Woodmere Academy right now. St. John's would be lucky to get him. He's got interest from places like Virginia. Seems like you know smart, upstanding guy. Pretty much all these guys seem like they're they're pretty top notch. Um, after that, there are other players that they've been looking at. They've been looking at uh, Lester Quinones, who's a, a teammate of uh, Precious Achua over at St. Benedict's. They were looking at Scotty Lewis and uh, and what's his name, Brian Antoine. But that's a you know that's a fever dream. 
Joe Girard up in Glens Falls, New York, is a high-scoring player who people liken to uh, to uh, Jimmer Fredette, who is also from that area of New York, uh, a little bit above Albany when you get getting up to the Adirondacks. Uh, Jamie Jaquez, I think how, is that how you pronounce it, from California, is another player they've looked at. Khalil Whitney is one that they've kept an eye on. Um, other than that, I think there are, there are probably a few other players, but those are the ones who come to the top of the mind. With that, we're going to close out this episode of the Rumble in the Garden podcast. This has been Norman. Happy to have you here. Um, thank you for listening. We got a question for you, though, and you can send it in to um, Facebook. You could send it in to Twitter. Uh, Rumble SBN on Twitter, Rumble in the Garden on Facebook, or you can even find us on Instagram. You can find us, um, and you can even email us, rumbleinthegarden at gmail.com. Um, I'm wondering what you're thankful for in this year, 2017. 2018 is right around the corner, and it's a good time to reflect. Um, and we're also wondering what's the best thing you've read this year. I'm talking books, articles, comics, academic journals, business cards, I don't know. You know, what's the best thing you've read this year? We'd love to hear what you're what you're what you've been seeing this this year. Uh and once again, if you can, please leave us a quick review or rating on iTunes, Google Play or Stitcher. It makes us look good and it allows other people to see that this podcast exists, which is a good thing. Happy holidays and stay warm. <laughs>